whether a mission statement is necessary, and what role it plays in the mission itself. What's she going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Welcome to Walk the Earth. I'm Greg. Choosing this time to talk, uh, probably somewhat more briefly than the last few Walk the Earth episodes, about mission statements. The concept was called to my mind this year, as it had been years ago, by a sermon. I was in church, the church that I now attend, as the Walk the Earth process has moved me from one congregation and denomination to another, uh, kind of brought back to my mind that both the pastor of the church we left, the last pastor of that particular congregation when we were a part of it, and the current church with the pastor that's still been there since the time we've joined, both kind of asked the question of the congregation from the pulpit, if you will, about whether or not we as individuals have a personal mission statement, and if that personal mission statement is kind of alive and provides any guiding principles for our lives. And just like so many years ago, the answer for me was yes. So I'm going to do something that has appeared previously on Inappropriate Conversations in terms of sharing that mission statement and bringing myself up to date in relation to it. But it does call to mind a few things right up front that are relevant to the current state of the station, if you will, from a perspective of Inappropriate Conversations as a podcast and Walk the Earth as a podcast. You see, I'm going to make a reference back to the year of uh, 2010, first year of the Inappropriate Conversations podcast, well before Walk the Earth was even an idea. And July of that year, when I had back-to-back episodes, Inappropriate Conversations number 20 and 21, dealing with statements of faith. I'd kind of gotten through the first 19 episodes where I think anybody listening to that particular podcast would know that this blend of politics and religion that was the, the inspiration for doing Inappropriate Conversations was true and in place, This wasn't a needle-scratching shift of any sorts. But while I had made, in the very first handful or so of episodes, very strong statements about where I stand politically, uh, my definition of radical moderate as a concept, for example, I hadn't really done anything from the perspective of my position theologically. So there was an imbalance, in my opinion, between things I'd formally said on the political side of the spectrum versus things I'd formally said on the religious side of the spectrum. So July 19th of that year, 2010, I put out a podcast called Reading Chapter and Verse on What I Don't Believe. It was actually sharing a poem called Chapter and Verse, but that poem was a strongly worded diatribe almost at times about things I was rejecting, particularly from the religious right. And less than a week later, or about a week later, on July 27th, I put out episode 21 of Inappropriate Conversations, Permanent Things I Believe. And the current game plan I have for both of these podcasts, Walk the Earth and Inappropriate Conversations, I don't believe that I'm going to do a talkback episode for those two episodes of the early days. I have shared, and will even yet in the future, share other episodes from around that time. So it's not totally a question of 
sound quality, ruling out old shows. But for whatever reason, as I've gone through the list of the first, say, you know, dozen scores even of old shows I want to share as talkbacks, those two didn't make the cut. I may do, though, what I do with talkback episodes and link up, uh, if not those two shows specifically, maybe the whole month of July 2010, because there were a lot of interesting things that happened, a lot of good shows in that month, I would say. And again, sound quality was an evolution for me, and sound quality was definitely a question mark in the month of July 2010. But for anybody who wanted to go to it through the website at inappropriateconversations.org, you know, that's not a bad way of doing so. I, of course, can be reached at IC underscore Greg at hotmail.com via email. On Twitter, I'm IC underscore Greg. For the podcast, both Walk the Earth and Inappropriate Conversations separately have Facebook pages. I've also started something new on Facebook called the Made for TV Program Direction Group. It's an open group looking at uh, made for TV, both television series and television movies that I wouldn't mind seeing again. The idea behind it is, if you could create a good enough index of the things that are loved most, could there be some future state where there's either a streaming service or a a network channel of some sort, or even clearing out all the rights questions to where something like YouTube could provide this service of helping people revisit childhood memories of these warts and all past moments in television history? It's kind of in those three veins that I've been operating on social media lately. Walk the Earth as a podcast, Inappropriate Conversations, of course, and then this made-for-TV program direction concept. And this is a place where Walk the Earth and Inappropriate Conversations sort of come together. Partly because when I first addressed this idea of having a personal mission statement, there was no Walk the Earth podcast in existence to share that. So this is a first look at this concept from a Walk the Earth perspective, And I'm doing so because of the contrast between that previous church experience and my current church experience. But the truth is, this mission statement that I crafted, I'm going to say around 2002, didn't come into being because a pastor suggested it. It didn't even come into being because anybody in a church or parachurch situation suggested it. It kind of came on my own as I was sort of evaluating how I was going to move going forward as uh, the parent of kids who were getting closer and closer at that point to being in double digits. Uh, The teenage years were not that far away. I had recently lost a sister to cancer. And this was 2002. You're talking about still being roughly a year in the aftermath of of 9-11. And I think as a society, we often underestimate the impact of 9-11 and what, what that impact has had on us. Everything from, you know, political things like the Patriot Act to... You know, kind of the differences in how people have experienced their faith. I've seen both positive and negative examples of those differences. For me, it played a role in establishing a mission statement. And it's curious, but noteworthy, that the mission statement I'm referring to definitely precedes anything from a podcast perspective. Might be worth the time to sort of quickly kind of lay out my approach to um, social media and podcasting and how it all came to be. Because I think my route is probably different from a lot of people's. I didn't start off in social media, find podcasts that way. It was sort of the other way around. I had gone to a uh, sort of a church retreat of sorts with multiple different congregations participating across, to some degree, across denominational lines. And this was in 2002, early fall, I believe, of that year. And 
it was just simply a way of deciding to be more proactive in a leadership role within the church. That the church I was attending at the time, leadership was sort of being thrust upon me, and it only made sense to do some preparation related to that. It didn't occur to me kind of what would happen in a spiritual retreat if I was going through that experience while still somewhat subconsciously grieving, both things that had happened to my country, ways my country had responded to those events being another sort of thing that was happening to my country, and then the death of my older sister. So I was working through some kind of unbeknownst to me, some deeper levels of grief during that process. And in some time of introspection, it sort of occurred to me that I might want to have a plan. I might want to have some guiding principles. But this was 2002. At that point in time, I don't believe I was the owner of an MP3 player. I don't think I was really very well aware of what of what iTunes was all about. And I was still consuming music primarily through compact disc, more likely to make a mixtape for the cassette deck in my Geo Prism at the time or whatever, than I was to be streaming audio in any conceivable way, even in the infancy of that concept. And at some point along the way, my family decided to drag me into the 21st century, got me a small, really low-capacity SanDisk MP3 player, and I figured out different ways of finding MP3s to put on it, but even then my strategy was not to find music that I already had on CD. It was to try to find things that I couldn't find or hadn't bought in any other way on CD. And most of the things that I was moving into the MP3 player were moving in that direction. And a sports team that I follow started a podcast, or fans of the sh- of that team started a podcast. And so my first podcast experience was following a soccer team in England. Then when I finally got a, what I would call a real MP3 player in the form of Zune, that exposed me to Zune Marketplace, that exposed me to a podcast directory, and that led to a search to say, okay, well, in addition to more easily because of the quality of that interface, and Zune had a really good user interface, being able to put a lot more music on the player, including music ripped from CDs on the player, it also gave me the ability to really search and explore new podcasts. So as you might expect from listening to this show, there were podcasts that I was seeking out to provide education about stuff like politics and religion, theology, philosophy, also uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, a lot of dr- rock and roll in particular, uh, podcasts related to music, music history, and movies. And movies led me to a particular network that led me to a broader variety of shows sharing that network, an English network as it was. That led me to the forum of that network, which led me to individual people that I could interact with on a regular basis and that some degree knew personally or virtually personally, have since come to know personally, absolutely personally, and them doing their own podcasts. And that sort of do-it-yourself aspect of podcasting came out of being active on an online forum. So at this point, my website experience is tapping into the Zoom network, Zoom Marketplace, working on interacting with other people via an online forum that doesn't exist anymore from, at the time, simplysyndicated.com. That leading me to more and more other podcasts, including podcasts made by people that I knew and I had interacted with them while they were deciding to make a podcast. And only then, beginning to entertain the idea of, well, could I do one of these for myself? I appeared on an episode of Starbase 66, the sub-series of that original show called The Admiral's Table, with a, just a conversation with me and Rick from, from Admiral Rick from the Admiral's Table. And it was so well received, and I got a lot from it, and it kind of unlocked for me the potential of what it might 
be like to instead of talking about the movies and music side of my taste and joining an already very crowded field. But this mixture of politics and religion and its impact on our culture seemed relatively untapped, and I decided to go there. I went there releasing, I want to say, 28 episodes, maybe 30 episodes, before it even dawned on me that maybe I ought to be on Facebook, that maybe Facebook would be a way of of interacting with people as the host of the Inappropriate Conversations podcast. And Twitter came even after that. So that's sort of kind of my journey, um, and it's a little bit backwards, because I think most people probably these days are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that well before they're actually engaging in any direct way as part of the fandom of any particular podcast. But I took that backward direction. I bring it up here only as an introduction to say that the mission statement I'm about to share goes way before that and was not written in any way to sort of guide me through the process of being public in any way whatsoever, and certainly not public in the way of being the host of a couple of podcasts. That just sort of came from it. And as we look at that mission statement again, perhaps came through it. But let me begin with the more recent week and kind of talk through this inspiration in, a, in kind of a, a back-to-front sort of a way. If the pastor of a church is asking me a question of whether I have a mission statement and what role that mission statement might play in my spiritual development and in my spiritual life, well, does that church have a mission statement too? And it turns out that the question was, of course, the church is now unveiling a relatively new mission statement and talking about it in a sermon series. And it was in that context to say, the church has one or has had one and is now talking about it. And how does it compare? How does it align with any mission statement you might have in your personal life? So to do that, the church that I attend now has this mission statement. To cultivate hope and love by living in the way of Jesus, with grace and peace in our community and our world, trusting God in all things. So, pretty ordinary, I think, on some level, as far as what you'd expect a Protestant Christian church's mission statement to be. But there's the devils in the details, if I may make a pun about it a little bit, that this notion of focusing in, of not just focusing on love, but cultivating hope and love, to me is maybe a little bit different from what you see from some churches. Anybody who remembers the early days of Walk the Earth, and for those who don't, Walk the Earth is going to hit the Talkback series here very soon. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But the early days of Walk the Earth, the idea was kind of leaving a church that had this mentality of, we are the church, we're going to set up a building, we're going to hang up a sign that says what our hours are, and if you want to show up to worship, you can, and if not, well, then to hell with you. It wasn't quite that bad. But there certainly was this attitude of, of going out into the world and reaching out and bringing people in toward us was not necessarily desirable. That a lot of people within that congregation were going to church with people that had been their friends for a very large part of their lifetime, and they weren't all that eager to expand that friend group to include a bunch of quote-unquote strangers. And that was definitely a, a through line in probably the people who are still attending that church today. As their regular attendance has dropped, I'm told somewhere into the 30s or 40s from the hundreds that it was when I joined, that the ones who've left are the ones who are trying to be very insular, who don't have any kind of outward focus. And this one is not only saying, hey, we're, we're interested in an outward focus, we're also interested in growing it where it may not be showing today, to cultivate hope and love. How? 
by living in the way of Jesus. Not just hanging out a sign, not just wearing a a WWJD t-shirt. That to this church that I'm attending now, Jesus of Nazareth is not a slogan. It's not a the name of a group I'm a member of. It's a way. That when Jesus talks about being the way, the truth, and the life, that way part matters. Living in the way of Jesus. Well, what is that? Well, it involves grace, peace, not just for our community, but for the world. Again, that combination of inward and outward focus. And having a faith that trusts God in all things, the trusting God in all things was the last piece of the evolution of this mission statement. And I, at that time, had mission statement fatigue. That's the second part of this week's question. We'll answer that before I'm done today. But that mission statement fatigue kind of creeped in. And for me, God is not um, just a word that we use that means God the Father. It also means Jesus. It also means the Holy Spirit. And when I hear the phrase, trusting God in all things, I tend to think that lines more on the Holy Spirit side of the Trinity. And for that reason, I was totally comfortable with it being added in. To me, this mission statement runs the risk of being a little wordy. And over over the years, mission statements as a concept, whether within a business or within a civic organization or within a church, there's been a lot of trends. Some trends leaning toward the mission statement saying it all and being very broad and worthy, and some trends making it tight and clear. And we've seen organizations lately kind of make a distinction between what is their vision and what is their mission statement. So the vision can be tight and pithy and short and clear, and the, the mission statement can be more expansive. Just enough to say that my current church's mission statement has more words than my own personal mission statement does. But to call it out one more time and make a transition from this church to me personally, I'll read it again and then talk a little bit about the upcoming weeks of both talkbacks and inappropriate conversations before I dip into the prehistory of either one of these podcasts and talk about my own mission. This church's mission is to cultivate hope and love by living in the way of Jesus, with grace and peace in our community and our world, trusting God in all things. As I look to the schedule for the upcoming episodes of both Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth and Talkbacks, right now, Walk the Earth 58, this one, stands as the only one that's currently on the schedule. Now, there's open weeks. So as uh, as a question arises that I haven't thought of before or as inspiration strikes, however you choose to look at it, you know, Walk the Earth is definitely not done yet. And it's important for me that it not be done yet because if you use Facebook as a gauge, people who are following Walk the Earth on Facebook is increasing at a pretty good clip, whereas inappropriate conversations kind of holding steady. Now, there was a gap between the two from a listenership and uh, perspective, so it's nice that that gap is closing and I wouldn't want to shut the door on that. But the next focus for me on both these two podcasts during the spring, for want of a better word, is going to be inappropriate conversations because I'm going to start a seven episode series, could be more, but I think it's a seven episode series looking at uh, previous writings I've done in the area of fiction. But this is going to blur the lines between fiction and nonfiction. It's a multi-chaptered novella, but it's a a neo-surrealist novella. So it's going to take me a while to work through the content. Rather than releasing one hugely long episode, I'm going to take it chapter by chapter, more or less, and allow individual different drummers who seem the most relevant to each one of those chapters kind of creep in. It does mean that I'm looking at multiple different drummers at the same time, which is a little bit mind-bending. But uh, since the 
the body of the work of the next few Inappropriate Conversations podcast, the texts, if you will, have already been written down, it does mean that the Different Drummer segment is the place where I'm going to do the most exploring, probably. Walk the Earth um, will, again, perhaps take a back seat to Inappropriate Conversations, but the Talkback episodes won't. And the next couple of Talkback episodes I've got planned are going to take us to the beginning of Walk the Earth. So anybody who's joined Walk the Earth lately and enjoys the format, Walk the Earth's one, two, and three, maybe even four, are in our near future. Now, I'm not necessarily going to hit a, a time when all of the talkback episodes are Walk the Earth. There'll still be inappropriate conversations mixed in as we go, but Walk the Earth is beginning, I guess, for a talkback. I've only done one ever as a talkback in the history of this uh, of this show. The other thing is that I'm not necessarily going to do them in order. So I don't want anybody to believe that just because one and two show up first that it's going to kind of go in that one, two, three, four order. Just like with the Inappropriate Conversations podcast, I want the talkbacks to be somewhat thematic as well for Walk the Earth. So there will be points in time where Walk the Earths are shared out of order, but it makes sense for the theme either of current Inappropriate Conversations or Walk the Earth recordings or the series of talkbacks that are underway. For, For example, in the month of June... I tend to take a look at things that I've said historically that were either adjacent to or directly related to Pride. Where there's talkback episodes that I can group together thematically, there are certain months that just make sense to focus in on, and June is one of the more obvious ones that I can think of. Having taken that aside to discuss the uh, upcoming schedule, let me get back into the topic itself. Looking at my own personal mission statement going back a couple of decades now, I wrote, and then this is, at the time, not having any social media presence at all, not having even the notion of doing a podcast, probably being only vaguely vaguely aware of podcasting even in general. It's interesting to see how this statement fits into the concept of doing a regular podcast and interacting with lots of people in various different ways online, whether that be online forums or social media like Facebook and Twitter. The mission statement. To share the truth and power of faith family, fidelity, and friendship through example, service, speech, and writing. Fair to say that technically, this is fewer words than my current church's mission statement, probably fewer words than my current or even former workplaces on their mission statements, but it still feels like it's a bit of a mouthful. It's got kind of three ideas. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to convey truth and power. That truth in its right relationship with power coming first, and that where where all that comes from? Well, to me, it's the power of faith, family, fidelity, and friendship. So four things, inappropriate order, that I do in my life, put my faith first, family before the rest, fidelity after that, and finally friendship. But friendship makes this personal Mount Rushmore of mine, and I think anybody who's listened to the last year or so of Inappropriate Conversations podcast has heard that in pretty clear, and I would even argue, explicit terms. So how do you do that? If you're trying to share the the notion of truth and power, and that where you've placed that belief in truth and power is in family and faith and friends and children and wives and all that, well, what's the technique for doing it? Well, to me, it's example, service, speech, and writing. I'm going to try hard not to do any sort of repetition, complete restatement of inappropriate conversations number 21, permanent things, I believe. 
because I do believe I dissected this mission statement a little bit back in that old episode, even attached a few scriptures as bookends on either side of it to sort of kind of explain, even from an Old Testament prophet's perspective, why I feel the way I feel. But to me, the goal, and one of the examples I've liked best is that maybe the best example of somebody in the modern age who is living a Christian life and walking a Christian walk would perhaps not appear obviously as a Christian person doing God's will to your ordinary everyday guy on the street. That your ordinary person on the street might look at that and say, well, that's a, that's a unique individual. It seems a little bit odd to me, maybe. But it's not odd in an off-putting way. It, it sort of seems like some degree of kindness and intelligence. You'd hope that you might dare say wisdom, but that's that's a stretch, perhaps. But the kind of person who doesn't read like a walking advertisement for their particular church or the denomination or Christianity, that they don't live in an us-versus-them world, perhaps even rejecting the entire notion of that and all other false dichotomies, making people wonder, where does this person really come from? And the answer to that question then becomes, oh, this person's a little bit odd because they're trying to walk the walk uh, and do things, well, to quote the other mission statement, in the way of Jesus, with grace and peace in our community and our world, trusting God in all things. They're, they're sort of doing that thing. But that thing may not read like they're, they're walking around flying a giant Jesus flag. It might just read like they're trying to do what the Holy Spirit is calling them to do. And sometimes what the Holy Spirit is calling them to do has nothing to do with what I might call advertising. It isn't necessarily about the church, so to speak. That if you're walking the earth, then you're not necessarily walking the earth solely in some kind of a tethered relation to to a particular building or even a particular group of people. For me, it's bigger than that. It's about things that I believe to be true and the appropriate versus inappropriate uses of power. And the notion I've got that if my faith is real, if my commitment to my family is genuine, if my fidelity to my wife is a bedrock concept upon which things uh, things that are, would be risky to all those other concepts are not negotiable, that there is no risk there. And that gives me tremendous freedom to explore friendship and all of its potential meanings, including meanings that many might find controversial. Then that creates an incredible bedrock of weirdness, where someone might come along and say, you mean you don't constantly fight with your wife? You mean that your relationship with your kids is such that that you um, that you are still in in great communion with each other today and that you view them as contributing meaningfully to your life as young adults as they have said they feel that you did to their lives getting them to this point then why is this thing why aren't why aren't people in my primary relationship screaming and throwing stuff at each other that that's weird i think to a lot of people and i sort of take it for granted and i don't try to dissect it because i think it's it's healthier if no surgery is unnecessarily being performed upon it. And the same thing applies to my friendships. I think I've conveyed, and I'll convey as many times as asked, that I still feel a close connection to people I haven't spoken to in two, three, or even four decades because that commitment of friendship and the contribution those friends have made to my life have made a direct connection, a permanent contribution to my notion of fidelity. It's been a healthy contribution to my marriage, not some unhealthy competition. And those two things have combined to make it possible for somebody who's 
got a bad temper and at times can be volatile to have managed family in a way that was better than I think I might have expected when I first had kids. And all of this comes down to faith. So I've got some experiences. Those experiences are meaningful, and I'd love to be able to share that truth and power in these things like faith, family, fidelity, and friendship. But then the question I was dealing with all those years ago in, like, say, 2002 was, well, how? I didn't have a podcast. I wrote often and would sometimes share those writings by printing out pages, putting them in the mail, and sending them to my sister or sending them to my mother you know, or father when he was alive. But this notion we have today of how easy it is to be out there had never really dawned to me. My thought was instead that the way to share these things was through four different ideas. And there's a certain symmetry here. It's all boxed in. Faith, family, fidelity, and friendship is four things. Likewise, examples, service, speech, and writing are four things. And I believe I have them in their order of priority, just like I had that other list in its order order of priority. But let me kind of walk through that just briefly, again, not wanting to repeat a past podcast. Examples first, because example, to me, represents things people see you doing without you knowing that they're watching you do. It's Example can happen in unintentional ways. That service, the second thing on this list, is more intentional. That is stuff like outreach. That's intentional action. That's trying to be there. But your example is speaking for or against you at all times, whether you're intentionally acting or not. So example comes before service. I also believe that speech comes before writing. That most of us will listen to what someone else says about what the latest changes are to the policy statement of software we use. Uh, has Apple changed their terms and conditions? Is there something different about Microsoft? Something in the, in the details of that agreement that should be highlighted and called out? We're going to hear more loudly what people say about something like that than we are ever going to open up and read multiple pages of all that fine print to try to discern it for ourselves. This is one of the reasons why I'm so outspoken about Christians who speak in ways that misrepresent what Jesus said. Because what Jesus said often is revealed to us in writing. When people refer to the Bible, they're referring to writing. But writing doesn't often make the same impact on people as a sermon will. And if that sermon fundamentally misrepresents what Jesus was about, if we're quoting Paul in such an incomplete way, that we fail to recognize that in the heart of Romans chapter 13, Paul is making very bold, didactic statements that he clearly believes in very strongly, that he thinks, I think he thinks he believes in because he heard these words directly or indirectly through Jesus himself, that anyone who loves his neighbor fulfills all the law. Somebody who gives a sermon representing Paul's ideas about any social issue and cannot reconcile that with Paul saying very boldly and very directly, all you've got to do to fulfill all the law civil, ceremonial, the whole shooting mask, the whole law, is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And therefore, if your actions are not actively loving that neighbor, if they are not perceived by the neighbor as being loving based on how you're communicating and conveying your worldview, you're betraying Paul. You're betraying the scriptures. You're putting words in his mouth by misrepresenting him. And all these things were covered and passed inappropriate conversations. Like the Talkback series for Opening the Scriptures, which is available on all the current streams, it goes back to January of last year, so about a year ago, 
I took a three and a half hour podcast that was originally released as one total unit in September of 2014 and broke it into bite-sized pieces that were all pretty much an hour or less. Some of them as, as short as a half hour because I was dealing with like chunks of them that made sense together to pull that entire idea into one place. This is not new material from me, so I won't dwell on it further, except to say that I do feel very strongly that at the end of the day, I'm maybe as much a writer as I am a podcaster, that I don't write everything down before I read it into a podcast. That's not my approach. It's ironic that that's going to be a big chunk of this series coming up on inappropriate conversations, but it's not typically my method. I'm more of an extemporaneous speaker, but writing is foundational, and sometimes writing it down helps me have the freedom to be much more uh, improvisational or impromptu, I guess, in the way I say things. So writing first, then speech, then service, which is actually crucial. And the next couple talkbacks to Walk the Earth, I think, will call out service as being crucial. But example can't be underestimated. When I mentioned earlier that the best idea, at least for me, of what it means for someone to be identified as Christian is this notion of example. They're not coming in and telling you they are. Because to be honest with you, in America today, here in the year 2020, that notion of somebody telling you that they're Christian right up front doesn't necessarily pave the road or create all the the, the permissions that they might think that it does. Somebody who's very boldly, very directly advertising themselves as Christian tends to make me want to ask a few questions about, well, well, what kind of Christian, for one? I mean, are we looking at somebody who's trying to play religious right credentials? Because for me, any anybody who's trying to advertise themselves as part of the religious right is going to get the opposite result for me in terms of esteem and a fast track toward credibility. No, to me, if you live your life such that your credibility can't be challenged, people may figure out on their own that your faith has a big part to do with it. And for me, that's absolutely true. My mission statement since long before I recorded the very first Inappropriate Conversations podcast, which was long before Walk the Earth was even an idea, and it wasn't done because my church wanted me to do it, or even in the context of any church I've ever attended, it was done outside of that, with inspiration maybe coming from a larger group of collective churches, asking themselves questions about what the right way is to lead going forward. That led me to say, what I really want to do is share the truth and power of faith, family, fidelity, and friendship through example, service, speech, and writing. See, I strongly believe that faith is important to me and faith is important to others, and that on some level, all of us have faith in something. And maybe the person who truly does have absolutely no faith in anything whatsoever is hanging on to that nihilism as a faith of its own sort. Right? And family... I would never recommend that people be forced reconciled into family relationships which are toxic and dangerous and harmful to them. But that doesn't mean that you can't point to it and say, it can be better than that. It actually can work. There can be a strength in a family unit that's better together than they are apart. In the the opposite situation, where it's really necessary to support and speak into the lives of people in a loving way, who need to be separate from their family for their own mental health. It's the exception that proves the rule. It doesn't disprove anything. No one has to live their life as I've lived my life. In some ways, 
the strength I take from the way my own family has functioned with my parents having stayed together till death parted them and my wife's parents staying together till death parted them with, again, largely strong degrees of harmony. The compromises you make to accomplish that harmony notwithstanding. And uh, my wife's uh, living brother still married. Her older brother was married the day he died. My sister married the day she died. My my brother and my sister still married. There's a, a very odd, again, I called it weird earlier, a very weird sense of, of family and fidelity that's part of how I live my life. I don't use that as some sort of foundation to legislate that everyone else has to live their life and experience things in the same way I have. That's the opposite of faith. My faith says that the Holy Spirit can reach anybody, anywhere. They don't have to come to my church and say the magic words first. And that there's absolutely no benefit in spending time trying to legislate any of this stuff. Trying to force by law people to go to a church or to believe things is ridiculous. The old standard that made divorce hard to come by, forcing families to stay together in extremely violent and dysfunctional situations, not healthy, not helpful. And my view of friendship being out of step with perhaps still the, the majority of people in this world, having a friendship with no benefits concept because friendship between genders for me is so much stronger than any current concept of benefits could even pretend to acknowledge. Well, just, again, puts me out of step, but gives me something worth sharing. And if I'm sharing that because I've written something down and people read that either while I'm alive or after my death, great. Or if they hear these podcasts like Inappropriate Conversations, Walk the Earth, guest appearances on things like The North and South of Things or This Week in Gay, coming up as a brand new podcast or wherever my voice may appear, that's great too. But if I were silenced, if my life were to suddenly become a silent movie and the speech wasn't playing a role, I'd love to think that the things that I intentionally do through service or the things I unintentionally do through action will still share this mission statement. In some ways, the mission statement I crafted a couple of decades ago is still alive. And it's interesting to me because I never really think too much about it. It's not, I don't wake up in the morning and chant it like a mantra. But when I revisited it a few weeks ago, because the church's mission statement where I attend kind of led me to say, well, how does this line up with my own? And it's good in some ways that it doesn't line up as some sort of a synonym. They aren't perfectly in harmony. I've got my own way of doing the thing that the church is trying to do collectively, and everyone else doesn't have to do it the same way that I do it. This is a good thing, by the way. But it does beg the other half of the question from today, and that's whether the mission statement itself is actually even necessary. You know, So in my own personal life, it seems clear that this mission statement did lead me to overcome any sort of fears or concern or any versions of stage fright that might have stopped me from podcasting. There's a weird, awkward, small moment that happens every time I hit the record button and either welcome people to an inappropriate conversation or introduce the question for Walk the Earth or bring up to speed a talkback episode with short introductory material. There's a moment right before I hit that record button that questions, should I be doing this? It's a smaller voice for me than it might be for other people because this mission statement has things like speech, 
and writing an example in it. The mission statement calls for me to not be quiet. Moments in my life where I've heard answered prayer, with answers like it's better to say something that should not be said than to be silent and not say what needs to be said, that that silence is harder to overcome. That silence is somewhat more unforgivable than saying it wrong and needing to say it again to get it right. That things like that say, no, go ahead, speak up, record the next episode. But is the time we spend on mission statements a good thing? That if I say, you know what, a mission statement has some value in and of itself. That from time to time, it gives you the ability to pull an entire group of people, whether in a workplace or in a social setting, together and pointing to the thing we agree we're doing here. And if we get, you know, sidetracked by some unimportant issue, then you can actually kind of pull back to that and say, you know what, we might have a difference of opinion about what the right answer is on something related to building a brand new church building, for example. But if that disagreement isn't about how we cultivate hope and love by living in the way of Jesus with grace and peace in our community and our world, trusting in God in all things, if it's not about that, then the disagreement is relatively unimportant and should not sidetrack us. We've agreed as a group to a mission, and that mission is bigger than how many bathrooms are handicap accessible. That mission is bigger than whether or not we have um, hot water running close to where the kitchen will be on the outside, accessible to a lobby area, or whether it's a full-blown coffee machine. That those things become less important because they don't rise to the level of cultivating hope and love by living in the way of Jesus. If you want to make an argument that how big the freezer is in the back room behind this brand new kitchen in this conceived brand new building elevates to the level of living in the way of Jesus, well then let's talk. Otherwise, I think our conversation needs to be extremely collegial. And so it helps to have a mission statement that draws you back in. It helps for me from time to time to say, should I be talking about friendship yet again? Is that okay? Well, yes, it's part of my mission statement. It's part of the foundation of what I'm trying to do, not just in these two podcasts, but in my life itself. And in that respect, having a mission statement can be valuable. I could say whether a mission statement is necessary, yeah, probably a good idea. But if its role does anything more than bringing us back to something we collectively agree about, well, then I think it's probably not ideal. There is a part of me that isn't that wild about mission statements. I don't like how much time it takes, generally speaking, to put them together. That alone, I find off-putting. To hear the church, for example, talk about how long it took us to come up with this particular set of 25 to 28 words, it's a little off-putting. Because, to me, the mission statement isn't doing anything. The mission statement, my own mission statement, for example, yeah, it's words, but I don't consider that to be the important writings of my life. The mission statement by itself, words on a page, words spoken on a podcast, aren't sharing the truth and power of faith, family, fidelity, and friendship in any way. They're saying I ought to do that, but they're not doing that. So when an organization spends six months to a year coming up with a mission statement that they almost immediately, two months later, start compromising because the world gets in the way and key decisions were not covered in a paragraph of document, then the paragraph of document, well arguably important, can never truly be central. It might be pointing to what is central, what is most meaningful, but it can never be that in and of itself. In and of itself, it's always just going to be words on a page, and if we don't live them, there's sound and fury signifying nothing. If and as you were led, 
please join me in prayer. O loving Lord, I thank you that I am part of a congregation that seems to get the notion that the mission is more important than the statement. And I thank you, Lord, that in my walk and in your guiding, there have been times that I've forgotten I actually have a mission statement like this. And it pleases me to know that as I look back on that sometimes forgotten set of words, that even though they're not front of mind, I seem to be close enough to still living them. That's not my doing, Lord Jesus. That's that's you and you alone. So as I move forward with some you know, changes inevitably in the way this show works and in the way my church works, going from a church without a building to maybe, maybe this year having a building, help me to remember that it is you who is central to what I'm trying to accomplish. That when I'm talking about power and truth, I'm talking about your power and your truth, and that alone in many ways. Help me to keep what you've done for me both in the historical writings of ancient texts and in the words that I've written just in my adult lifetime, help me to remember that this is all about you. In your holy name I pray. Amen. What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine, I... All shapes and sizes, Vincent. You shouldn't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. I do not have a next on Walk the Earth this time, except to say that the next two talkback episodes on this feed from inappropriateconversations.org will be looking back to the very beginning, Walk the Earth 1 and Walk the Earth 2. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com.